Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Isaac Longworth. Last show, we talked about Saint Monica, this saintly mother who never stopped praying for her rebellious son until he eventually had a conversion. Well, today is like the second part of that show. We're going to talk about this rebellious son who ended up becoming a great saint, Saint Monica's son, Saint Augustine. Now, Saint Augustine, you might have heard of him before because he is one of the most famous saints in the church. He has a powerful story of conversion, uh, and he's also famous because of the huge amount of theological writings that he has blessed the church with. Today, we have over five million words that St. Augustine wrote about God, about the faith, about grace, and his theology has been such a blessing to the church that in the year 1298, Augustine was given the honor of being declared a doctor of the church. And so today we're going to learn about this great saint. We're going to talk about his life and how by God's grace he changed from a rebellious sinner to a saintly bishop. And we're also going to take a look at some of his teachings, especially his teachings on grace, because Augustine explains that the way that we become saints is not by earning our own salvation, but that it's a free gift that God offers to those who are willing to take it. So this is what we're going to talk about today. But why don't we start at the very beginning when Augustine was born in 354 AD. He was born in modern-day Algeria in northern Africa, and he was raised by a very devout Christian mother, St. Monica, who we talked about in the last show. Uh, but his father was pagan, not a Christian. And his father actually did not allow Augustine to be baptized as a baby, despite the fact that he suffered a near-death illness. Now, when he became a teenager, Augustine began to live a pretty wild and lustful life. He fell in with a bad group of friends who uh, together they would steal things from people, not because they needed them, but just because they liked stealing. Uh, Augustine began to be involved in sexual relationships, and this uh, led him down a spiraling path to seek love through sexual relationships. He just went from one girl to the next looking for that feeling of love and intimacy that he desired. Describing himself at this time, St. Augustine would later write, he said, what was it that I delighted in, save to love and to be loved? Augustine was looking for love, but he was looking for it through sexual relationships, and it wasn't fulfilling that deep desire that he had for intimacy. But that didn't stop him from pursuing women all over the city. And he would gather with his friends afterwards and they would swap stories about their sexual conquests later. And he was just reveling in this darkness that he was involved in. Now, Augustine's father actually encouraged this lustful behavior in his son. In fact, he would make jokes about it to Monica, you know, making jokes like, we don't have to worry about him giving us grandchildren. Just look at how he's acting as a teenager which broke Monica's heart because she wanted her son to live virtuously, but it just encouraged Augustine even more that he had the approval of his father. Eventually, though, Monica's prayers came true and his father became a Christian and was baptized. 
but he died shortly after. And Augustine was sent to school in the city of Carthage, again, a city in North Africa. All of this was part of the Roman Empire at this point in history. Now, while he was in Carthage, Augustine continued to live a wild life. He continued his life of sin and debauchery until eventually he reached a low point where he began to wonder if there's more to life than this. He began to ask the bigger questions, like what is truth? What's the meaning of my life? He was no longer finding the meaning for life that he was looking for in worldly pleasures. So he was looking for something deeper to believe in. So in this searching phase in his life, he tried to read the Bible, probably encouraged by his Christian mother, but he found it really boring. He found the Bible hard to understand. He didn't like it. And so he stopped and he started listening instead to the teaching of a religion called Manichaeism. And eventually he became a Manichaean himself. Now, Manichaeism is this really complex religion. We're not going to talk too much about it, but basically it was this religion that tried to take in all of the principles of all the different religions of the time into one kind of amalgamation. It was this religion where they believed that there was a good God that was made of light, that fought with this dark God uh, that was evil. They had this whole pantheon of lesser spirits that they venerated as kind of intermediaries with them and these two gods. They denied most of scripture. They denied that Jesus truly became man. Uh, they taught that marriage was evil, and they taught that we are saved not by what Jesus did for us on the cross, but rather we are saved by knowing these hidden mysteries that the Manichaean teachers claimed to have. Now, the Manichaeans were composed of two different groups. There was the elect and there was the hearers. Now the elect were like the teachers. They lived ascetical lives. They did a lot of penance. They were celibate. They were vegetarians. Basically, they tried to deny all earthly pleasures, all material pleasures in order to achieve enlightenment. And they held that the truth of the Hidden mysteries of the universe belonged to them, and they passed it on to their hearers. Now, the hearers was the much larger group of Manichaeans who listened to and supported the elect, but they themselves didn't actually live a penitential life, because for them, the flesh didn't matter, only the spirit mattered. And they believed that the rigorous lifestyle that the elect were living would make up what was lacking in them. Now, of course, because of his wild, lustful, and sinful life, which of these two do you think Augustine belonged to? If you guessed the hearers, you'd be right. Augustine didn't want to live a penitential life. He wanted to live his lustful life that he was accustomed to. And so he became a Manichaean, but he became one of the hearers. And this allowed him to continue living his wild and sinful life, while at the same time, giving him some kind of religious sense that he could satiate his conscience with for now. But he continued to live his, his life in Carthage. He even at this point fathered an illicit child out of wedlock with one of his mistresses. But when he returned home to uh, his hometown with his mother Monica, tensions in their relationship began to increase. 
He was living this lifestyle that was incompatible with Christianity. He had this newfound religion that denied so many of the Christian truths, and his mother was exasperated with him. And eventually she kicked him out of the house. She said, you're not allowed to come around here anymore. But she eventually had a change of heart and she welcomed him back. She continued to pray for him. She continued to reach out to him. But Augustine was completely lost. In his description of what he was like at this time, he said, despite that her efforts, he went on being seduced and seducing, deceived and deceiving in various lusts. He was completely trapped in this sinful lifestyle, and he was completely deceived. He thought that he was living the life that would bring him true happiness, and he was avoiding the God of his mother. Now, while he was at home, a close friend of his had converted to Manichaeism, had fallen into the same religious trap that Augustine had fallen into while he was in Carthage, but his friend fell deathly sick. He got really ill, and while he was on his deathbed, he was evangelized. He became a Christian, and he was baptized. Now, Augustine went to visit his friend while he was sick, and he heard that he had become a Christian, that he had been baptized. And so he began to mock his friend, saying, why would you leave Manichaeism, this, this wise religion that both of us were a part of, in order to become one of these stupid Christians like my mother? But instead of joining in with the mockery, his friend actually rebuked Augustine for mocking his Christian faith, and he died soon after. Now, this death of his close friend provoked Augustine to further questions about death and the afterlife that he found Manichaeism wasn't answering. And so he once again plunged into a search for deeper truth. He traveled to Carthage. He went to the city of Rome and Milan in Italy. He was seeking answers to his questions from famous Manichaean teachers. He went to the best of the best, trying to get answers, but none of them were able to convince him. And he was starting to lose hope that his worldview was the true one. However, while he was in Milan, he began to hear the preaching of a saintly bishop named Ambrose, who would also become a saint one day. Maybe we'll do a show on him later. But St. Ambrose's preaching so inspired Augustine. He was amazed to hear the truth of the Catholic faith. It was answering his deep questions. And so he began to take more interest in Christianity, started to read more into it, and listening more intently to St. Ambrose. Now, at the same time as this was happening, his friend, who was a very smart guy, Augustine respected him for his intelligence, he converted to Christianity. And so Augustine was wondering, what is going on? This friend who I respected, who I valued, who I know was an intelligent guy, he became a Christian. What's stopping me from becoming a Christian? And of course, the main thing stopping him was he still loved his sin. He loved his, his lifestyle, and he knew that if he became a Christian, he would have to give it up. So he felt this war going on inside of him. One desire in his heart was to remain in the sins that he found pleasurable, to stay with his mistresses, to keep living this wild, pleasure-seeking life. He didn't want to surrender 
his whole life to Jesus as God. At this point in his life, Augustine said that he believed Jesus was just kind of this wise man, that he wasn't necessarily God, that salvation wasn't found through him. But at the same time as he was feeling this desire to stay trapped in this life of sin, he was also feeling this awareness that the truth that he was seeking could be found in the Catholic Church. He was hearing this brilliant preaching by Ambrose. He was seeing his intelligent friends becoming Christian, and he knew that it was the truth. Now, Augustine one day was having a deep conversation with another one of his non-Christian friends, and he was telling his friend about this faith struggle that he was going through. And during the conversation, Augustine got really emotional. He got really worked up over the course of the conversation, and he ran outside of the house, ran from his friend into the garden to think. And while he was pacing around in the garden, he was crying, he was frustrated, he was feeling all of this shame from his past life of sin, which he was starting to see more and more was not the good way to live. But he was irritated that he couldn't fully commit to God. He, he felt powerless to change. He felt stuck in his sin. He knew the right thing to do was to convert to Jesus, but he just couldn't do it. And so he began to cry out in anguish to God, weeping and shedding tears for his life of sin. Now, while he's having this kind of emotional response in the garden outside of his house, he heard from a nearby house a child's voice repeating over and over again the words, take up and read. Now, at first, Augustine thought this was some kind of a kid's game, that he didn't know that they were chanting some kind of game. But eventually, when he kept hearing it, he interpreted it as a command from heaven. And so he went and he found a Bible and he opened it up. And the very first words that he saw, he read from Romans chapter 13. He read, not in rioting, not in drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in strife or envying but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts of it. Now, when he read these words, Augustine later wrote that no further would I read, nor did I need to. For instantly, as the sentence ended by a light, security was infused into my heart and all the gloom of doubt vanished away. He saw these words of scripture applying directly to him, that he had been living in drunkenness, in debauchery, in lust, but that Jesus was making a call on his life to make no more provision for his flesh, but to give his life completely over to the Lord. And he did. He decided to convert to, to Christianity. And later on, he was baptized by St. Ambrose himself. Now, his mother, St. Monica, was overjoyed that after 17 years of praying for him, she was finally able to see her son become a Christian. But within the year of Augustine becoming a Christian, unfortunately, his mother, Monica, died. She wasn't able to spend that much more time with her son now that he had become a Christian, but she was overjoyed and she was able to leave this earth in peace, knowing that she had accomplished her mission of converting her son. Now, Augustine, after his conversion, he spent some time in Rome, and he actually became an apologist for the Catholic faith, and he refuted 
the false religion of the Manichaeans that he had become familiar with. So he would argue in debates with all these Manichaeans, and he knew their arguments inside and out because he had been one of them before becoming a Christian. But eventually he headed back home to northern Africa, and he gathered some like-minded uh, Christian friends around him, and they decided to withdraw from the world and live together in poverty. They prayed together, they gave away most of their belongings, they studied the Bible, and Augustine became very familiar with the Word of God. He soaked in the scriptures and he began to write brilliant theological treatises on the Word of God. Now, his holiness and wisdom began to spread as people began to read his works, writing about God and the faith, they began to see that there was something special about Augustine. And so when he was 42 years old, while he was praying in a church by himself one day, a mob of Catholics surrounded him and began chanting that they wanted him to become a priest. They carried him off to the bishop and he was ordained, even though he felt unworthy. And he was ordained a priest. He was actually such a gifted teacher that he was allowed to preach, which uh, in the time in Africa, the custom was that only bishops would preach. And yet the bishop realized that he was such a gifted teacher that Augustine was allowed to preach and preach he did. He taught, wrote, and preached all over the place. Many people were converted because of his words. Now, five years later, he had grown in such holiness and renown that he was made the bishop of Hippo, which was a North African uh, city port that he would be the bishop of. Now, while he was in Hippo, he debated a famous Manichaean teacher who actually left the city after the debate. That's how good Augustine was in defending the faith. And he was able to continue converting many souls to the true Catholic faith. He even converted Felix, who was one of the elect Manichaeans, one of the highest Manichaeans converted to Catholicism after debating Augustine. But Augustine actually debated all different kinds of heresies that were threatening the church at this time in her history. One of the major heresies that he fought was a heresy called Donatism. It was this belief that the sacraments were only truly happening if the priest performing them was holy. And it all started because uh, a bishop had ordained another bishop and the people of the city refused to listen to this new bishop because the old one had not lived a holy life. He had left the Christian faith at one point because of persecution, but he had reverted, come back into his faith. And so the people of the city were saying, this ordination isn't valid. It isn't truly happening because he's too sinful to do that. And so it led to this ultra holy movement. They called themselves the Donatists. Uh, they only went to sacraments with priests that they deemed holy enough to be actual priests. And eventually this led to an actual schism where the Donatist bishops were competing with the Catholic bishops over the local people. Now, Augustine argued over and over again against the false teachings of the Donatists. He was very successful, in fact, and he was so successful that angry Donatist leaders actually made attempts on his life. They threatened him, they threatened to assassinate him, but he continued to fearlessly defend the faith, defending the truth that 
even if priests aren't that holy personally, they are still ordained to give the sacraments. And that we can't judge certain priests that their sacraments aren't worthy of going to because we don't agree with their personal lifestyles. So Augustine fought that all over the place. Another major heresy he fought was called Pelagianism. Now Pelagius was a priest who taught that it was possible by human effort for a person to actually earn their own salvation by living a good life. So this priest Pelagius was going around telling people that they didn't actually need God's grace. They could just earn salvation by doing good things. But Augustine was resolute that this was wrong. He taught that it was only by God's grace that we're saved, that we can't earn salvation, that salvation is a free gift given to us by God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Augustine was resolute teaching that God is the one who takes the initiative in making us saints. It's God that reaches out first to us, even while we're still hostile in enmity as sinners towards him. And here he's leaning on the teachings of St. Paul, who in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, teaches that while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We didn't earn our salvation. In fact, we were enemies towards God, but Jesus came and died for us anyways. It's only once God reaches out to us first, giving us this free gift of salvation, that we're then able to respond and receive that gift. Augustine was teaching that we don't earn salvation. It's an undeserved gift. Now, this defense of God's free gift of saving grace earned him the nickname, the title, Dr. Of grace, which is a name that he is still known by today. And I think that this teaching on grace that Augustine proposes is a major lesson for us on how to become saints. We need to know in the core of our being that our salvation, the fact that we are called and made for heaven, we didn't earn that. We can't somehow claw our way back into God's favor. We can't make him like us more by doing good things for him. Our life with God comes about because he first reached out to us. It's a free gift that we receive when we put our trust in Jesus. God takes the initiative. He steps out. He loves us first. And we respond to that by not refusing the grace he gives. And so in order for us to become saints like St. Augustine, we need to know that God has saved us because of his goodness, not because we earned it ourselves through our own good deeds. And of course, who knew this better than St. Augustine? He knew this personally. In his own life, his own experience was that God saved him even when he was a terrible sinner. God chased him down and rescued him, giving him the grace that he wasn't searching for, he wasn't deserving of. God saved him freely out of love for him. And we need to know this ourselves. Do we know this? If not, let's pray to St. Augustine for the grace to be able to see this truth in our own lives. Let's pray for that grace now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we turn to you right now. And maybe there's some of you listening who this is something new, that you haven't thought about your relationship with God in this way. But let's call 
right now on the Lord. Call for the Lord to save us despite our unworthiness. Lord, we know that we don't deserve heaven. We know that by our sin, we have broken our relationship with you, that we have turned our back on you, and that we don't deserve heaven. But Lord, the good news is that you are good, that you love us right where we are, that just like St. Augustine, you love us in the midst of our shame, in the midst of our past sins, that we don't need to look back on our sins that we're trapped in as a source of shame because you, Jesus, paid the price for us. When you died on the cross, you covered our sins and you made us able to be reunited with our Father in heaven who loves us in our brokenness, who loves us in our weakness, and who is desiring to pour out his grace on us so that we can be reconciled. And so, Jesus, we turn to you and we say yes. We accept the grace that you are giving to us freely. We take it now so that we can become saints like St. Augustine was. St. Augustine, doctor of grace, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.